You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And you can text the show at 865-658-5824. We're joined tonight with Jacob from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. we got a couple other people hopping on with us. So we're excited to just get on here and talk a little uh, a little off season. You know, I think now, Jacob, we're 23 days away from Packers training camp. Oof. And, uh, man, I am – I am fired up for training camp, dude. There's going to be a lot of storylines. We're going to be watching those camp battles like crazy, whether it's right tackle, uh, number one, number two, and slot receiver, um, the slot corner position, uh, safety. You know, is, is, are they going to roll with Savage or does he get unseated? Like, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting, man. Um, but we are also tonight going to going to kind of talk a little Chicago Bears, man. We're going to talk a, a little rivalry, I should say. I don't want this to turn into a Bears podcast, first and foremost, right? But um, you know, when it comes to Twitter right now, man, it's uh, it's been loud this offseason, Jacob, and I, and I think it's good for the the rivalry that that uh, these teams are. I don't want to say close uh, as far as talent and and you know how they may or may not perform. But I will say it's it's closer than it has been, you know, in the past. So it seems like a lot of people think this is the year that the Bears are going to pass up the Packers. I giggle at that thought because this is a 13-win team minus Aaron Rodgers. It's a big minus. But if Jordan Luck can play top 15, maybe even top 10 quarterback play, uh, I, think, uh, I think the Bears fans are going to be crying again this year. What do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Bears still suck. That is going to ring ever true. That's an evergreen statement. And uh, we'll go through a, a little bit of those uh, examples later. I've got some interesting notes to, to peek through. Um, but, yeah, man, we, we talked about safety as well. We'll go through some safety snap counts if we have some time uh, because we did obviously lose Amos. And then after that, it's like who's going to step up? We'll look at some of the snap counts for those guys because it was surprising how much Savage did play last year. Um, and we'll see if maybe he can – go back to the savage of old. I hate to say that, but maybe like <laughs> savage year two. I don't, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll discuss that, but uh, I'm excited to talk football. And as always, it's yeah. Sunday. This, like, this, how many this, Sundays? I think we only have like six Sundays now, seven Sundays until we have yeah. actual Packer football. I mean, come on now. It's getting there. <laughs> Definitely. Dakota in the chat says, uh, heck yeah, they'll be crying. I'm currently fighting with, uh, with them dummies on Twitter right now. <laughs> you and Ryan, Ryan Schlipp fighting the good fight. We got uh, Tim in Green Bay on the line. Tim, we're going to go to you in just a second, buddy. Um, first things first, though, let's get a little, let's get this thing cranked up right, man. I, I found a little video that came from the Packers Legacy documentary. It's about three minutes long, but I think it's worth the listen, even for you guys on the podcast. Um, just kind of talking about the very, very early stages of the Green Bay Chicago uh, Bears uh, rivalry. So I'm going to go ahead and share the screen. We're going to check this out real quick. Again, you can find this for free on the Packers YouTube page. Um, uh, they've got, I don't know how many episodes there are, but this was a really, really cool find here. So let's just check it out and, uh, and, and 
I'd say a lot of you guys and gals probably never heard of the Lumberjack Band, but this is a really cool story. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and share the screen and check it out. Here we go. Know what was going on down in Chicago just seconds after it occurred down there. Here's this little city playing in this big league, and they're holding their own. That's what drew people to the Packers. Hold their own, they do. Much to the chagrin of many teams, one in particular. Any Packers Bear game was bigger than any other game. Chicago with George Hallis. That was a step up for the Packers to be able to play them. November 27th, 1921. Several hundred fans in a makeshift band with 20 horn players and a handful of drummers descend on Chicago for the first Packers-Bears football game. It was uh, George Hallis's fondness for the city, Green Bay, or anything. He needed to win, and he probably needed another gate. There were large contingents of Packer fans going down there. And they met at midnight at the Elks Club in downtown Green Bay, marched to the Chicago Northwestern Depot, caught a train to Chicago. They didn't get a wink of sleep. Stumbling off a midnight train, the self-proclaimed Lumberjack Band marched through the loop and out to Cubs Park, causing a ruckus along the way. It's just a regular band from around Green Bay, and uh, you know they'd play football songs and stuff like that. They drank all the way down to Chicago on the train, <laughs> got off the train, and started marching through the loop, playing their instruments. They marched through several hotel lobbies, including the Packers. They dressed like lumberjacks, and it was a great band. The two first coaches, George Hallis, Curly Lambeau, they were players at the time. In that game in 1921, George Hallis scored the last touchdown for the Bears. They beat us pretty good that first game, 20 to nothing. But a rivalry was started. The Packers become the biggest draw on the Bears' schedule, as rivalrous as it is. Hallis and Lambeau really didn't care for one another. Both George Hallis, the founder of the Bears, and Curly were showmen, let's face it. And uh, they made it a point never to shake hands after a game. They were two ultimate competitors and wanted to beat each other so bad that they would do whatever it took. There's some misconceptions about George Hallis and how he was this great friend of the Packers. He was when it benefited his bottom line. He wasn't necessarily when it didn't benefit his bottom line. George and Curly Lambeau were entirely two different characters altogether. First of all, Lambeau was more a gentleman on the sidelines than most coaches. He got riled up once in a while. And over on the other side was old George Hallis, and he was an official baiter. He was always cursing him out. The biggest problem that the officials had with George Hallis, he wanted to follow the team down the field, clear down to the end zone, and had a hard time keeping him on the bench. There are times he was a raving maniac. At first, Chicago really didn't want to come to Green Bay because the attendance wasn't going to be comparable to Chicago. By the mid-20s, George Hallis wanted them to come to Chicago and play there twice a season because they were drawing better than any other team that he was bringing in. Yeah, it's pretty wild, man, that, that little Green Bay, you know. Um, they were the biggest draw for the, the big, bad Chicago Bears, right? That uh, <laughs> that literally George Hallis was kind of forced, listen, we can't afford not to put them on the schedule, right? Yeah. Um Pretty cool stuff, man. Pretty cool stuff. And uh, we got Tim uh, Tim live in Green Bay. How you doing tonight, Tim? Hey, guys. How's it going? 
Oh, doing good, man. Doing good. What you think about that little uh, little video there? I mean, I'm sure you've seen that before. Pretty cool story, though. You talk about the lumberjack band drinking all night, taking the train down to Chicago, <laughs> then marching around the city just raising uh, H-E double hockey stick, right? Man, that's just classic, right? <laughs> classic right there. And you know what's funny is I like what they said about Hallis being a, a raving maniac on the sidelines. <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like the Bears fans now are channeling their inner Hallis right now because they're all raving maniacs right now. Except I don't think Hallis was as delusional as Bears fans are right now. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. Mike <laughs> yeah. Jake, if you were running some numbers earlier, right, and just kind of talking about the rivalry and where it stands, I know you had a couple of numbers that conflicted with each other a little bit. I believe we've got the right number. We may be off one or two games here, but uh, let's go ahead and talk about those numbers. Yeah, from what I can tell, um, I got a couple conflicting ones, but 105, 95, and 6 seems to be the most current number, which, I mean, that alone. I also saw this random, I was looking for that number, and they had this, uh, I clicked on this website, and they did like a moving chart of where the Bears wins versus the Packers wins in franchise history, how they kind of started. Bears got a big head start on us, guys. It's, yeah. It stinks, you know. Um, but we definitely have climbed and definitely made a rebound and basically since 91 and on. And you look at that, how drastically we've peaked and they've went down. I mean, in the last, gosh, 40 games, we're a good 90% winners. Um, and it's just, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, sorry, buddy. that He owns you. He does still. And then <laughs> Brett kind of owned you and i only hope i mean what a what a fitting start to jordan love's career that he plays his first opening game isn't it in chicago if i'm not mistaken yeah yep let's go let's go buddy chicago, yeah Come on show us what you got just go ahead and transfer that ownership right over to number exactly. 10 right? that's what we need to see happen. So, yeah um the uh yeah there was something else i was going to ask you about the numbers oh uh did you say something what was it you said about quarterbacks was it you have that in well, front of you right now i do actually so if we want to talk about quarterbacks and how bad <laughs> there's quarterbacks are i mean i shouldn't say bad how about, that's, how, that's about how many quarterbacks there are i was gonna say it's not necessarily how bad they were it's just how many bad ones that they really had so let's go ahead i can name them <clears throat> and i'm gonna go off by uh starting by 1991 which obviously is when brett Favre came to green bay so we'll start there just to be fair that year, Jim Harbaugh played all 16 games. Good for you, Jim. Jim Harbaugh in 1992 played 13, followed by Peter Tom Willis with two and William Furrer with one. Jim Harbaugh in 1993 started 15 games, followed by Peter Tom Willis with one. 94, Steve Walsh, 11 games, followed by Eric Kramer with five. 95, Eric Kramer, all 16 games. Number 1996, Dave Craig, remember him? 12 wins, Eric Kramer with four games. 1997, Eric Kramer, 13. Rick Meyer, three. 1998, Eric Kramer, eight. Steve Strensum, seven. Moses Marino had one start. 1999, Shane Matthews, seven starts. Cade McCown, here we are. Jim Miller, three starts. 2000, Cade McCown is now, or McNown, idiot. Uh, nine starts, Shane Matthews, five starts. Jim Miller, two starts. 2001, Jim Miller, 13 starts. Shane Matthews, three starts. 2002, Jim Miller, eight starts. Chris Chandler, seven starts. Henry Burst, one start. 2003, they got Cornell Stewart, guys. They're going to win the Super Bowl, except for he only played for seven games. Chris Chandler, six games. Rex Grossman, we got a Rex Grossman sighting. And uh, 2003, followed by 2004, Craig Krenzel, five starts. Chad Hutchinson, remember him, five games. Jonathan Quinn, three games. Rex Grossman, again, three games. 2005, Kyle Orton's in the building with 15 games started with Rex Grossman's one. Let me flip to my second page. <laughs> <clears throat> 
2006, Rex Grossman's on the scene. He gets all 16 games. Congratulations. Good, good for you, buddy. 2007, Rex Grossman gets seven games, followed by Brian Greasy with six games, and then Kyle Orton coming up the tailpipe with three. 2008, Kyle Orton wins back the job. 15 games, Rex Grossman gets one. God, that's pathetic. 2009, Jay Cutler. Jay, I'm the most overrated quarterback in the NFL history, Cutler, 16 games. 2010, Jay Cutler has 15 games. Todd Collins has one. 2011, Jay Cutler has 10 games. Caleb Haney, four. Josh McCown's back for two games. 2012, Jay Cutler, 15 games. Jason Campbell, one game. 2013, Jason Campbell, 11, sorry, Jay Cutler, 11 games. Josh McCown, five games. 2014, Jay Cutler, 15 games. Jimmy Clausen, one game. 2015, Jay Cutler, 15 games. Jimmy Clausen, one game. 2016, Matt Barclay. Remember that? Jay Cutler, five games. Brian Moore, five games. 2017, guess who's there? Big, you know what, Mitch. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, Mike Glenn, four games. 2018, Mitchell Trubisky has 14 games with Chase Daniel, a two. 2019, Mitch Trubisky, 15 games. Chase Daniel, one. 2020, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, quarterback winning. Super Bowl winning Nick Foles with seven games. 2021, Mr. I'm a looking like a catfish guy. Ten games for Justin Fields. 21, followed by Andy Dalton, followed by Nick Foles with one game. 2022, finally, Justin Fields starts 15 games. Trevor Simeon gets one game, and our Nathan Peterman gets one game. I mean, Whew, that was unbelievable. And how many did we have? Who did we have during that? I think time? Uh, technically, like basically two. <laughs> officially six, if you count uh, injuries and whatnot. Uh, and those are like one game offs kind of stuff. Yeah. Talking about Matt Flynn's. Uh, um, who's the other one? Very, very not non. <laughs> uh, I think Matt Flynn was the most notable one. That was our yeah, what a ride player. that was. What a, hey, that guy made the NFL pay him so much money for no yeah. reason. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. To go to Seattle for them to draft Russell. Was it Wilson? Seattle? And then they yeah. basically paid him like $20 million or something? What? And then they oh. drafted Russ. Yeah, good for you, man. My goodness, right. man. And, and he did, if I remember correctly, didn't, didn't uh, Flynn tie the single game touchdown, touchdown passing record? Seven, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, seven. Yeah, and, and Green yeah. Bay he literally came in in one game and see. I was like, throw him the book, give him the checkbook, give, give, give him that money. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. And you that wonder was why reminiscent to that. Go ahead. Uh, that was that was reminiscent to that year that uh, Tim Tebow had a couple years back when he was just on this streak and just caught <laughs> fire. And that, that that was Matt Flynn. He just couldn't miss. The dude was lights out. Yeah, yeah, just playing within the system. But and you guys wonder. And why are you surprised that Bears fans are so miserable on Twitter? Right. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. You kidding me? And uh, John in the chat said Hundley beat the Bears. Is he talking about Brett? Did Brett Hundley, Brett Hundley? really beat? I'm Holy sure he God. did. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure he did. We <laughs> don't even need to fact check it. I'm sure he did. <laughs> fact check true. I don't love need Snopes. So that's true. <laughs> hey, tell me, uh, Tim, what's on your mind tonight? Did you get anything you want to want to hit on here? Uh, any Anything that's uh, at the forefront as far as – you know, we're coming up on training camp. I know we chatted just a few days ago, but uh, what's uh, what's on your mind tonight? You know, it's interesting you guys were talking a little bit about safety. And, um, you know, I've been thinking about – I got my little short list of some players that I, I got my eye on that I really want to pay extra attention to this year going into camp. And, of course, like number one on my list is Darnell Savage. Um, I guess my question for you guys is how do you, how do you see this uh, – the safety room shaping up, Do, you know, I think of guys like uh, 
obviously Rudy Ford um, comes to mind as someone who can, you know, fill that role possibly. Jonathan Owens, I haven't seen much of him. I'm not super familiar with him. But what about Simone's guys husband? like Yeah, yeah, Mr. Biles? Yeah. Um the uh <laughs> the the question really was though is like what about like Dale and Levitt and you know Ennis Gaines, some of these some of these special teamer guys that we see, what about you know, do you guys see them making this team A and B actually playing some snaps? back there either strong or weak side safety go ahead jake yeah so i was going to say if i could jump in just to kind of bounce off of that topic there tim so we're losing adrian amos we talked about that last episode i believe adrian amos mm-hmm. had 977 snaps on defense that was number one about any defensive player last year total so he's gone right we scrap that rudy ford had 443 snaps at safety followed by darnell savage well i should say darnell savage had 819 i did not realize that that dude played that many snaps last year um that being said after that we had Tariq carpenter fill in for 17 snaps levitt took one abernathy took one and then i think there was a couple other garbage snaps for some other guys but that like i said i have to think savage is going in there and he's going to take over in the starting role i don't know whether he'd be the free or the strong or what that, I, I don't know if that bases basically off. Of, I, I would have to think Rudy Ford would be number two. I don't know. He, he seemed like he'd been, he graded out well, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have it in front of me, but I thought he, since he basically was the starter, it was a lot better than when he wasn't. Um, and then I know that also we got guys like, was it Anthony Johnson Jr.? Is that right? The, uh, yeah. I, I, people have hopes for him, high hopes for him. I know that he fell a little bit in that draft and we've got quote unquote another steal there, but um I, I'm safety is definitely probably the, the 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 position that I'm most I don't know about you know I, I, yeah, I that's, don't know what to think. I agree. I mean, what about Terry Carpenter? Like he's listed as a linebacker now, right? Well, so I was going to say they've moved him. It, it sounds like uh, what Ryan said on this podcast. They just basically are like, ah, we drafted this guy, we gave him a draft pick, we don't want to let him go. Maybe he's a safety now. Maybe he's a <laughs> linebacker. Yeah. I don't know, man. I kind of see, I kind of see Tariq Carpenter a little bit different. Um, I see him as, you know, you guys heard me mention big nickel the other day, right? I could see him playing a little more big, big nickel. Well, you know, now that Tariq Carpenter is a linebacker, it wouldn't technically be a big nickel. Right. And uh, I think you're, I think you'll see at least another year or two before he makes a step in the right direction. I think he's going to be a special teams guy. He seems to have beefed up just a touch. Um, as far as the safety position, and we got Ryan Schlipp joining us here. Appreciate you hopping on. We're just talking a little, <laughs> little safety here. Um, so I think you got to kind of, when you look at the people they added, you, you added Jonathan Owens, right? Or as you guys said, Mr. Biles. And Biles. you got uh, um, Tarverius Moore. Who did they add first? They added Tarverius Moore, Moore right? Yeah. yeah. So that shows you they have more value in, in more than they did Jonathan Owens. Might not have been much. But it was there. We know that Tervarius Moore had pretty good combine numbers, if I remember correctly. He's one of those speed guys, quick twitch, that type of thing. A lot, a, a lot more upside rather than, um, you know, just someone who's just ready to play right now. Now, when you look at what the Packers did defensively, we talked about the numbers the other day. And as far as what kind of defense they played, what kind of coverage they played, they played cover three, 
percent of the times they played quarters, uh, 16.6% of the time they paid, played quarter, quarter, half, or cover six, 13.1% of the time. So you're going to see that too high look like we've been seeing this Fangio style. Here's the thing that Greg Cosell was talking about the other day, and it, and it, I seen it all year last year, and hearing Greg Cosell said it really kind of uh, confirmed it for me. When you're playing this Fangio style, you don't want to tip your hand pre-snap. You want to keep those guys up on the shelf and show the same exact look every single play. What I mean by that is there's no early rotation. There's some, but you want to minimize that. You want the quarterback to have as little information as possible pre-snap. Now, that's why sometimes they're kind of caught on their heels as far as, you know, they be in the defense. But um, if that's the case, you know, you don't you no longer have a free safety and a strong safety. And this is what Greg Cosell talked about. You know, in the past, you had a strong safety that always lined up on the tight end side of the field. If the tight end lined up on the left, then that safety would flip and he would be on the tight end side of the field. Now, in this Fangio style, you're wanting to disguise that complete look. So the safeties have to be very interchangeable. And that's what you've seen last year with Green Bay. That's why you always seen Rudy Ford on the left side of the field. And you've seen, you know, the other safety, which was Adrian Amos, on the right side of the field because you want to provide that same type of look. Now, you may have some early rotation, a little bit of a little bit of sugar and pre-snap, but when it comes down to that, the way I see the safeties, Rudy Ford is your left safety. It's so silly saying that. He would be your traditional free safety because typically the tight end is on the right side of the formation, although none of that matters with all the motion that goes on in today's NFL anyway. But Rudy Ford is who I would have starting free safety or on the left side from the offense's perspective. And then I would have Darnell Savage on the right. This is – I shouldn't say I would have, but the coaching staff is going to—they're going to play Darnell Savage. We know this. There's eight million reasons why they're going to play him, right? So he's going to be on the right side. I think that's what you start with. I think personally, second is going to be Tarvarius Moore, and I don't think it's going to be a case where it's like, okay, Tarvarius, if Rudy goes down, you're going in for him. But if Savage goes down, we're going to put in Jonathan Owens. I think it'll be Tarvarius Moore third on that depth chart, and then I think you'll see Jonathan Owens fourth. That's just kind of how I see it, but. Anthony Johnson, if I remember correctly, granted it was OTAs. There was some people a little bit impressed with him, you know, the the, the few members of the media that was there. Um, it was like he showed flashes. He showed some athleticism. Um, and I know that when he was drafted, um, when we were sitting there live on draft night, I was kind of like, hey, this this guy, he wasn't my top safety pick, but it was good value for where, where he was picked. But, Ryan, basically what, what Tim was asking is how do you see the safety room shaking out? Um, is there anything there you disagree with? How do you see it? Um, what are we overlooking here? No, I mean, the only thing that's tough for me when I looked at safety was if you asked me individually, is this person going to make the roster as a safety? I would say yes, more often than we are going to have spots available. So that's going to be, I think, of all the positions, one of the toughest ones to cut down because, you know, like you said, I mean, Savage and Ford, that's obvious. Moore and Owens. Yeah, they're going to make it. What about Anthony Johnson? Well, of course. What about Dallin Levitt? Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> We're not going to have six safeties, though. Right. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to need more time to flesh that out, and hopefully we get some answers in training camp. But um, I've, I've got about six yeses, and I think we got about four spots. So I don't know how that's all going to shake out. Yeah. And we can't make them all linebackers. So Right. Yeah, we can't make them all move to linebackers. <laughs> yeah. And last year, according to my board, we carried five out of camp. Right. Um, yeah. Now, could it be something that if Eric Stokes isn't healthy, uh, you know, and they have to start him on the pup list, then maybe they just carry four corners, knowing that these safeties could fill in in a pinch at the dime. And then you could always activate one if uh, if things kind of kind of go haywire. Now, Dallin Levitt, like you said, he's I mean, that's a big special teams contributor, according to uh, Rich Basaccia. Right. So 
it's uh, it's going to get interesting. You're exactly right, Ryan. You you look at the numbers. You go, okay, if we keep five like last year, then somebody's not going to make this roster. Me personally, I think that would be Jonathan Owens. But uh, Simone, she's she's liable to go in the room and and hurt some people with that athleticism. I just see her in there choke slamming Coach Lafleur right in the, in the middle can, of the game. Can eight. she play safety? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. Um, it's interesting, though, because, you know, there was people talking about it on Twitter. Uh, I think it was last week. They're like, you know, how's this safety room going to shake out? And it's one of the things I pointed out, and I think I actually comment on one of your tweets, Ryan. It's like if if there's if there's one thing that Brian Gutekunst does well, he finds great value in free agency, right? I mean, we've seen it with Russell Douglas. We've seen it with Devondre Campbell. We've seen it with Keyshawn Nixon, right? I wouldn't be surprised if Tarverius Moore, Jonathan Owens – kind of comes on the scene here and, and contributes. You know, Hopefully it's not because an injury happened to the two starters, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys shake out and be a, you know, they're a good football player. And understand the reason they go out and sign these guys is because they had a high draft grade on them. When I say high, I'm not saying they were a first or a second round pick, but they simply look at the score that's on them, the grade that they had on them, and said, hey, look, this is someone who's who's going to be an upgrade. It's kind of that old Bill Walsh mentality. Uh, you know, reading this Bill Walsh book, one of the things they did with that, that whole – system they use building a roster in San Francisco way back in the day. He had a goal every offseason that he was going to make 10 additions to the team before training camp that would improve the team, not just bodies, that would improve the team, that would be better than someone on the roster. He set that goal for himself. And that's kind of the the cloth that Brian Gutekinds has cut from, you know, coming from Ted Thompson, coming from Ron Wolf. And of course Ron Wolf cut his teeth in the Oakland organization, which is the same organization that um, Bill Walsh actually got his start in. So um, interesting stuff, though, man. Safety is going to be fun. It's going to be it's going to be very very cool to see how that unfolds. And what I'm finding myself doing here, Ryan, is you know we're a little deeper than we thought. You know, we talked about edge the other day. It's like who's gonna who's gonna get cut off the out of the edge position, right? I mean, you got you got Kingsley and Ibarre. You added Van Ness. Yeah. You obviously got Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary. Um, you got Jonathan Garvin. That's uh, Jacob's favorite player right now. And uh, so, you know, it's just like you got, you know, you've also got Cox, right? Brenton Cox. So it's like, what are you, what are you going to do here, dude? You know, you seem pretty want, deep at these positions. Do you want snap counts on those uh, guys yeah. last year? Just real quick. This, cause this kind of shocked me. Gary, our stud of all studs, 378. That's it. And that's yeah. shocking when you think about how the defense, like without that guy, it's a whole different defense. But even, even, mm-hmm. even, and they got him, better we, down the street. We got better. Exactly. Yeah. And so here I'll go in. Preston, 825. That makes sense. And Igbare had 465 snaps compared to, to, to Gary's 378. Garvin, Mr. I'm too good to go to camp. Garvin, <laughs> 194 snaps. That's a lot. And then Ladarius Hamilton had 24. And then Kobe Jones randomly had seven. So, I yeah. mean, there's there's snaps to be had. I mean, a lot of them. And imagine mm-hmm. if you were if, – if, if, let's replace – Garvin snaps and Hamilton's and Enigbares and give those to Van S and oh my God. And then you think of what obviously Gary, if he's healthy, should have a, a good solid 800 plus snaps. I mean, oh, I can't wait for that. Yeah. 
Definitely, definitely. And, you know, he <clears throat> Goody's also kind of protected himself, too, that if if for some reason they got into a pinch, they only carry four edge defenders and they needed an extra one, Quay Walker could play that edge. You know, that's something that we've uh, we've seen a little bit of last year that he could, you know, wh whether they were trying to show an over or under look, he could kind of line up on the line of scrimmage and play that Sam, if you will, um, and uh, and provide that, that edge material. So, um, yeah, with that being said, let's move on to uh, to the next topic. Jacob, you brought this up. Brian, I thought this was really cool, man. Uh, I'm going to try to share the screen here. I want you guys to see this image. And uh, who do you remember who shared this, Jacob, with you? Uh, it, it was one of those NFL sites. Gotcha. Okay. Well, the what we got day, here, guys. I believe the game day, something like that, yeah. Yeah. It's covered up a little bit at the bottom, so I'll read the last ones. But this is according to Chat GPT, right? This is the <laughs> this is <laughs> Ryan. That's shout out to you. It's the people that, that Ryan trusts with his checkbook here. They balance yeah. his checkbook every day and all that, right? Um, That's who I so invest he, with. Yeah, according to that EPT, uh, top 10 free agent signings of all time. Number one, Mr. Reggie Watt. Number two, Deion Sanders, both with the San Francisco 49ers and Dallas Cowboys. Number three, Peyton Manning to the Broncos. Number four, Drew Brees to the Saints. Number five, Tom Brady to the Bucks. Number six, Charles Woodson to the Packers. Number seven, Kurt Warner to the Rams. Number eight, Julius Peppers to the Carolina Panthers, which I'm assuming that's him going back to the Panthers, which like like Jacob pointed out, you know, you could count that as a Packer too. I mean, he uh he was signed by the Packers as a as a uh, an edge rusher, and then number nine to Tampa and Dama and Sue, and then number ten Reggie White to Philly, and we kind of scoffed at that a little bit, like wait a minute, now he was drafted by Philly. Actually, he was uh, he was drafted in the supplemental draft because he played, if I remember correctly, one year in the USFL. What team did he play for, Jake? Do you remember the Memphis Showboats? Showboats, <laughs> one of my favorite teams. So, pretty cool stuff, right? That. Uh, that you've got, like like Jacob, you pointed out, that's basically four players there that the Packers signed in free agency that you could kind of count towards them there, right? Reggie yeah. White, uh, Charles Woodson, Julius Peppers, although they just got Carolina listed. He, I think we would all agree that was a great signing for the Packers. And then uh, Reggie, you know, Reggie White again, of course, being at number 10 with, with Philly. So um, it's pretty cool, man, for a team that everyone <laughs> always talks about. They're never active in free agency, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, – Reggie White, man, get, Ryan, you were a fan back then, right? When Reggie yep. was signed, what 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 do you remember about Reggie White? What's the first thing that comes to mind, dude? Well, I I, I know me and my dad always misnamed his move the swim move, but that was always our favorite thing, and it was just that he was just unstoppable, and it was just he gets his hooks underneath you, and he just threw people around. But I mean, that that was a cool thing about Reggie is. It's kind of like I, I'm, I'm. I don't mean to blaspheme here, as far as comparing him to Rashawn, but it's it's a similar thing in terms of you can't stop him. You know, like eventually he's just going to get there. Yeah. And um, yeah, that that was just the best thing about Reggie White is you always felt like you were in a good spot and you were going to have a good defense. I mean, it's almost like a quarterback when you got Aaron Rodgers or something. Like as long as he's on your defense, you got a good defense. And um, he really, I mean, he raised the bar for that defense so high. It was it was. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was just a lot of fun to watch. And, and like most people in the or most of the guys that we had in the 90s, the only thing that kind of sucks is I didn't appreciate it enough. Yeah. I mean, it's just like this is just the team that we have. And now that you look back, it's like, dang, dude, I'm, I'm never going to see a guy like that again. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Very well said. Go ahead, Jake. I just uh, like Ryan said, you know, I, I remember when the Packers won. I have a Wheaties box still with Reggie White on it. I, yeah, still, I got that I have a Reggie White bar, uh, uh, candy bar. 
my um, aunt gave me. She's had it in her. I mean, that thing's got to be infested with all sorts of diseases, and whatnot, but it's still <laughs> in the thing. And I also have like a, a gosh, what am I looking at? I, I have so many like Reggie White memorabilia things from back in the day, and I feel like they don't necessarily. We still we still idolize our players like Mac Patrick Mahomes. Oh my god, you know what I mean? There's there's but it's like the specialty players. Maybe it's just because Reggie White was that talented, and in my little child brain, I didn't realize that he was that great that he deserved his own candy bar and his own box cover for, but he was that great. I mean, and when you yeah. look back at the stats, it, he was <laughs> uh, the minister of defense, man. The guy was just an absolute freak of nature. And I just remember that move that Ryan's talking about. I don't think he gave it justice. He would literally just come in. I think it was with his left hand and he would just straight up. If he got you in the pit in the armpit, he would just chunk you. Yeah. And sometimes it wasn't even his hand, which would be more leverage. Sometimes it was just like just right here. He would just yeah. get under you and just flip you. And if yeah. you look how at do you, the, um, how do you have that much power? The Super Bowl against the Patriots, I believe it's like the last three snaps. He did it. Like I maybe it's because the Patriots were like, it's done, it's over. I don't care anymore. <laughs> like the you know, that tackle was like, dude, you've been kicking my butt all day. I don't want to do this anymore. But I think it's the last two or three of the snaps. Reggie White got a sack, and it was the same. He just threw this dude. And you can look back even at the Memphis Showboats tape, which there are some out there if you want to find it. It's, it's really hard. Uh, but the Philadelphia Eagles, when he was there, same thing. He would just club guys one hand. If he had that plant foot and that strength, I mean, the guy, I would imagine he had to be like a shot put champion because all <laughs> he does is just basically that, you know? Like, yeah. I, anyways, he was just – he's a freak of nature. Yeah, and the, and the move you guys are talking about is actually called the hump move, and, and I want to get there your you take for a minute. Uh, the hump move, yeah. Oh, okay. um, and no, we're not talking about Rasheed Walker. We're talking about the hump, <laughs> different hump move. Tim, I want to get your take here in just a second, but since you guys brung it up, y'all got me geeking out over here. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Let's share the screen here. Check them out right here. Here we go. This is a compilation of the hump move. You ready? Boom. Let's see if we can get this thing. Look at this. Bang. Oh, that's that's right arm. That's Look right arm. Dang it. Yeah. Yeah, he's so he did it with the oh, that's my favorite right here. Oh, yeah. oh, oh my god, I remember that. It <laughs> was right arm. Pulse. Okay. Look, look. Devastation, dude. Unbelievable. He basically oh. knock you out and then run. <laughs> they're, they're literally airborne. Like both feet yeah. off the ground. Yeah. If you look watch how, watch how he does it, he sinks his hips, takes the outside shoulder, and then just throws them across their body. He makes them think they're going outside, so they pass set for the outside protection, and then he just humps them. Not Rasheed Walker. Yeah. He humps. Them. Look at that. It's really a it's really a finesse move as much as it is a power yeah. move. Yeah. It really is. That's, that, that combination that. There, that's what I'm talking about. That was the end of the uh, Super Bowl. Yeah. God, it's good stuff, man. Um, I, Tim, I don't know how old you are, and you don't have to say if you don't want to. Uh, but <laughs> what what do you remember about Reggie White, man? I'm sure you did you did you get a chance to watch him when you were little. Oh yeah, and the play that sticks out is the one we just we just saw is when he tossed Chris Carter like a ragdoll into into Warren Moon. Like you're in my way, I'll just I'll just use you to sack the quarterback basically. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> with one hand once again. But I think when I think of Reggie White, man, I just think of how you know a lot of what we think about is he transcended the game. You know, he was bigger than football, man. That guy was just. I, I don't know. I mean, I get choked up thinking about him, honestly. And, and he's the kind of guy that you want on your team, uh, the definition of a leader. I think one of the things that sticks out to me is the the total contrast between watching him on the field, just terrorizing these guys, and then knowing who he was as a man, and he's just like polar opposite. 
and and to just see the way he played that game with such ferocity, but he was such a gentle giant, man. And yeah. just man, they don't make them like that anymore, guys. They really don't. We get them once in a while, but I'll tell you, I miss that guy. Yeah, we uh I was I was actually lucky enough to I was in the house when they retired his jersey. So I had went to an autograph session the uh I think it was the Friday night before the game, and I got a chance to meet his wife and his son. And uh, yeah, it was they were just amazing people. And I've actually got a video. I need to find it. Just like I told y'all, I've I've shared the Aaron Rodgers' first touchdown pass, his first rushing touchdown film from the stands. I've actually got a video somewhere of them dropping the tarp off of his name and, and you seeing his number and everything retired. It was, it was really cool. So uh, really good stuff. Um, Which is still a big deal in green Bay. Cause we do not just retire numbers willy nilly right. here. Absolutely. There's many retirements and you just can't, you can't, you can't do that many. You're going to run out of jerseys if you do, you know, yeah. do you think, Clayton, do you think they'll retire Masons? What's that? Mason. Oh, Mason. Retire Masons. Too. See, that's one that I'm talking about. It's like, you know, what other perk do you need other than the all-time scorer in Packer history? Right. Like, and, yeah, I mean, it's – it's. I think – I don't think it's silly to have the – to to mention it. But, again, we get to the point where it's like, guys, we're going to run out of numbers if we keep doing this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But all of them are deserving. But, uh, Tim, before we let you go, we got Andy on hold here. Anything else you want to chat about before we let you go? I'm afraid if we go five wide here like Talladega, the whole thing's going to crash. You know what I'm saying? So – we, uh, oh, I can jump off. Absolutely, guys. Just thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to shareholders meeting. Looking forward to camp. You know, same old, same. Just excited for the year to get started here. And uh, it's going to be a heck of a ride, guys. I got a feeling this year is not going to be short on excitement. I agree, man. You make sure you get good pictures. I've got my tickets sitting here. I'm just not going to be able to make it up there. So uh, you get good good pictures, good videos, and uh, and let us know all the inside information you get up there. All right. Absolutely, guys. We'll do. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate you, buddy. You bet. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to bring in Andy now, Mr. Uh, Andy Monday from Kansas. Andy, how you doing, buddy? I'm real good. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. We got a, got a packed house here. Sorry you had to wait. But uh, what's on your mind, dude? I know we chatted a little bit offline. Uh, what, what you got going on right now? What are you excited about? Talk to me. Well, first of all, I hope to – finish up here with uh, less back sweat accumulated than the first time I was on. So hopefully that was a little <laughs> bit better. I won't tell you hopefully. if it was better or worse. I'll just keep that part to myself, but <laughs> good topics though. I mean, Hey, the Reggie white topic, isn't that <laughs> it's always yeah, seasonal. Think about it. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know, people say, well, you kind of go in cycles. What topics you're talking about? When is Reggie white? not a pertinent topic. It can be in free agency. It could be regular season, it could be postseason. It can be, you know, the Packers Hall of Fame, Pro Football. I mean, any, you know, any time of the year, you can you can really talk about it. The guy was not only an amazing player. I think his first, I think his free agent contract in 93 was four years, 13 million total. That's that was a massive, that was a massive contract. People didn't yeah. have any idea why the Packers spent that much money on the guy. Yeah. And, and I remember at the time too, um, you know, hearing, you know, didn't know it at the time, but hearing Mike Holmgren tell the story about how, you know, little, little bitty green Bay is not going to be able to sign any free agent free agency is literally going to 
it's going to ruin the franchise, this and that. And then, of course, when they made the offer to Reggie, Reggie White said that he got home one day and had a voicemail, had a you know answer machine. He played the answer machine. It was Mike Holmgren. And he this said, God. All, all he said was, Reggie, this is God. I want you to sign in Green Bay. And, and then, of course, Mike Holmgren said Reggie shows up and he goes, you know, with that deep voice, Mark, Mark, that was that was funny, man. That was funny. <laughs> so Reggie did some great well, things down here in the state of Tennessee for sure. So, And and I don't know how to compare it to, to, to today, but I was just thinking when you guys were talking with, with Tim, who's been a great guest, I think, too, it would be the equivalent of what? Uh, Nick Bosa signing free agent contract with the Lions and then influencing, like, 10 more good players to come to the lions and then turn them into a <laughs> dynasty. That's what that would be. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A great that, that would, it would be the equivalent. Um, you know, the off season is a good time to talk about the team building and maybe even get into some, to some history. And I've mentioned Q Clayton off offline. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I, I'm not done uh, trying to wallop on Colin Cowherd for some of his recent, uh, you know, comments. <laughs> and I'm glad Ryan's done two, full episodes keep them coming by the way about just the stupidity things people don't understand and i'll go back to the first one that he had the he believes that the packers are going back to the 70s and 80s packers that i don't i mean very few you know few people who are probably podcasting were you know alive maybe in the especially in the early 70s right but okay so if you had a little time here, um, just at quarterback, okay? And I'm going off of memory here, so maybe I might be a little bit uh, inaccurate, but I think I got it here. After the 1972 season, Coach Dan Devine, who was also the general manager, traded the Packers' 1974 second-round pick and 1975 second-round pick for the Dolphins' backup quarterback. His name was Jim Delgaza. He played three games in 1973. His quarterback rating in those three games was 30. It was like 30. It was like 32. So, so okay. And sorry to add some backup here, but before free agency, you had to trade players, right? Or trade draft picks to get players because you didn't have the kind of free agency like, like we had today. So it was always trading future picks, so in 73, he's trading two second-round picks, and that guy lasted for only a few games. All right, so in 1974, uh, Dan Devine, same guy, in his last before his last season as coach, he traded um, the first, second, and third-round picks of 1975 and the first and second-round pick of 1976 Jesus. to sign 34-year-old John Hadle from the Rams. So so 34. Okay, in 19 early 1970s, a 34-year-old quarterback was equivalent to what? 50. I was going to say Aaron Rodgers, but okay, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, somebody, okay. Now, people think it's crazy that the Jets gave up what they gave up for Aaron Rodgers. You're talking about John Hadle and we gave up people at the time joked at it as a as a they said it was like a, a trade con, uh, done by a music conductor. Because we because because we gave up a one a two and a one two three, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of one of those you know it was a funnier no, back then. <laughs> yeah, that was actually what I was known as. I'm not making that part up. Um, there they are. Yeah, I won't even mention the other two guys. Here, 
That's Aaron yeah. Rodgers reincarnate right there. <laughs> That's <a different. laughs> yeah, it, true. If you if you mix him with the lead singer from Prockle Harem, good whiter shade of pale. <laughs> it's pretty good. Pretty good. Jerry Taggy looks um, like he's about to get like passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I don't want to say the word. Uh, pounced on. Let's say that. <laughs> he looked scared for his life. He looked like Uncle Rico. Actually. That was good. <laughs> <That's another one. laughs> so, so, so hey, they picked up hate. Uncle Rico. I just, I can hear that steak slapping at me. <laughs> <laughs> so they traded for Hadel. Okay, he played in 1974, and then Dan Devine left to go coach Notre Dame. So if you watch Rudy, the second coach that doesn't care about Rudy, that's Dan Devine. Well, it's an actor, but you know, that's yeah, that's the guy. Um, Bar Starr came in 1975 and played Hadel for one season before he got rid of him. In two years, Hadel had nine touchdown passes and 29 interceptions. That was his combined TD interception ratio in two seasons. Okay. So in 19, so they didn't have a pick. They didn't have their top three picks in 1975 or the top two picks in 1976. The 75 pick and the 76 pick were top 10 picks. And look what they got for it. Nothing. So in 1976, Bart Starr traded the fourth round pick of that year and the third round pick of the next year for Lynn Dickey. Okay. So Lynn Dickey came in. He played just about all of 76, about three quarters of 77, and was injured around November of 1977 until November of 1979. He missed two whole seasons straight. And it wasn't until 1980 that the Packers offense started averaging about 300 yards a game because they didn't do it in the 70s, like the entire time. Yeah. 
That's wild, man. Um, I it's think... a lot of stats I know. That's just the doldrums of that kind of stuff. Now, uh, in, in comparison to the Steelers, uh, the Steelers drafted four future Hall of Famers in the 1974 draft alone. That's what other teams were doing at the time. It's crazy. Great. And when you talk about Dan Devine, right, stepping in, and uh, then you had – what's crazy is you had Len, uh, Lindy uh, Infante, right? I think is how you say his name. Um, he became the Packers head coach in 1988 through 91. A lot of yeah. people don't know this, but Michael Lombardi <clears throat> actually put together a list of, of potential coaches, right, uh, for I believe – I can't remember what team he was working for at the time. And he said that the Green Bay Packers actually chose – Infante over Bill Walsh and at the time Michael Lombardi and uh, had settled on as offensive coordinator Mike Holmgren a college coach for the San Francisco 49ers he basically helped hand pick him for the uh, San Francisco 49ers offensive coordinator uh, position now what's crazy is the reason Bill Walsh wasn't hired in Green Bay and I talked about this on a past pod was because they reached out to Paul Brown, which was Bill Walsh's mentor, and said, hey, what do you think about Bill Walsh being a head coach? And literally, Paul Brown told him that he does not have the uh, the mental toughness to be a head coach. Could you imagine if Bill Walsh had been the head coach in Green Bay? Oh, God. Bro, like, <laughs> and, you know, people say, oh, we wouldn't have Joe Montana. You could say that, but Joe Montana, if I remember correctly, was like a third-round pick or something. He was available. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he was this – Y'all, there's no way they could have drafted, but just wild, man. The thin threads. I don't even have to mention Barry Sanders to, to not make uh, Packers fans puke because we, you know, of course, we know we passed up on him, but um, just wild, wild stuff. Andy, you got anything else before we let you go, brother? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just to kind of wrap up, I mean, so, so Coward is saying that the Packers uh, quarterback selections or quarterback uh, view of things now is comparison to what I just explained. It's like, it's not even. Not even close. I mean, it's a ridiculous thing to say. So, um, you know, uh, as you know, as as a state that likes uh, milk and cheese and ice cream and all that kind of stuff, I would invite Colin Cowherd to uh, come to Wisconsin and, as the saying goes, take a whiff of our dairy air. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what you, you did, get that man. one. I'll yeah, see what yeah. you get. That. Um, I'm gonna from Tennessee, cop that. <laughs> so with so with Bears fans and you guys who are there in Wisconsin know this. In the summer, we're happy to take all the Chicago fans' uh, vacation money. Yeah, right, because they come up, eh? which is fine. Because in the fall, we're gonna take your lunch money too. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Let's go, man. Let's go. I can't wait till week one. I can't, man. It's gonna be hey, awesome. You want to know what's really funny? As uh, he was bashing, <laughs> I had to look up Rudy and uh, why Rudy sucks, and I found this Deadspin article. And oh my god, I'm gonna have to post this into our chat because it's just it blasts the movie. You know how like uh, uh, Ryan, I sent you that clip of how Louis C.K. blasts apart Google hunting. Are you there, Ryan? No. If you're talking to me, I can't hear you. Sorry. Oh, you can't hear Jacob? <laughs> I'm trying to fix it. It's my stuff's broke, man. Just talk amongst <laughs> yourselves. Anyways, it's basically how it like craps all over the movie. And uh, Andy, I love you, but you just made that movie. <laughs> I used to love that movie, and then I'm reading some of these comments, and I realized, oh my god, that movie's horrible. Hey, you want, now here's what's crazy. You want to, oh, I love that movie. It's a good Dude, movie, but it's like fan. it's so unrealistic. Like, come on. Yeah, I'm a Notre Dame fan, and I don't like the movie. 
Like, it's and, and, and I'm telling you, Irish fans get mad when I say that. I'm just, you know, I'm just being though, honest. Like, the whole plot of the movie is like his family doesn't like him because he can't play football. <laughs> it's like, come on. It's man. about a kid in Harlan County, Kentucky named Clayton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, then he gets on the, he, he wants to play, and all of his teammates are like, I'm going to lay down my jersey because this guy, like, <laughs> Sucks I just really imagine bad. Ryan down here, dude. You're you're talking, Jacob. We're laughing and everything. Ryan's gonna have no clue what he's saying. <laughs> just I got it. I got it working, but I can't promise anything in the next five minutes. <laughs> All right, cool. Andy, but, we're gonna let you go, buddy. We appreciate you. Uh, anything uh, else, man? He well, Rudy does help John Favreau, his buddy of John Favreau, get a date. So that's good. That's who hey, plays his that's, friend. That's a that's an early John Favreau. Yeah, that, that's Vince Vaughn's buddy, right? That's that, really he, John Favreau's first one of his first movies. Yeah, I would think so. I, yeah. Wow. Hey, all right. Well, so, hey, there today. you go. That's why you listen to this pod, but exactly. Hey, Andy, that's why you, you come. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll see you guys later. Thanks again. Thank right, you. We'll talk to you soon, pal. Yep, Take care. All right, um, Ryan, dude. He brought it up. He brought up Colin Coward. It sounded like you went round two on him. I heard a little bit of that pod. Um, <laughs> it, what's crazy is you know. <laughs> They try to draw this parallel, right, to quarterback purgatory and all you're going back to the 70s and 80s. It's like, But you realize the Packers are doing totally the opposite of what they did back then. They're drafting and developing a quarterback and planning for the future. Well, and then that's the thing. The 30 years isn't a fluke, and that's what everybody wants it to be. It's this big fluke that's only because of two quarterbacks. No, it's not. There's also a GM that came in and changed the entire culture and the way that we do things here, and everybody – since then has followed in that line in terms of how we do things. And, and free agency is a big part of that. That didn't exist back then. Now it does. And we incorporate in that in the way that we do things. And the way that they run this football team is the reason why they're so successful. Yes, the quarterbacks have a big part of that, but the reason they're not going to be the Lions and the reason that the Lions can't stop being the Lions is because of how the teams are run, period. So whether or not we're ever going to be as good as we were in 2020 or whatever, I, I th- that's a separate discussion. But we're not going into the basement because teams don't go into the basement when they're run like the Green Bay Packers. That's going to prevent us from going there, and then it's just a matter of time before we get back on top. And that really just comes down to if we can find the right quarterback or not. But the whole discussion is that you know Rogers left. Now we go to bottom of the division or bottom of the NFL is just it's it's mindless. Yeah, it's and it's it's crazy because we seen the Packers <laughs> without Rogers last year. You know, whether whether it was yeah. because of the injury or that was the drop off, but we seen what the Packers were without Rodgers and yeah. we almost made the playoffs. Right. Well, now you retool and people and there was some kind of TikToker, uh, Andy Herman, just blasting him. I absolutely loved it. But he was just like, you did nothing to make your team better. You signed oh, yeah. Jonathan Owens. And it's like, bro, there was a draft. What do you what the hell are you talking right. about? Like <laughs> there, there was a draft and we had young players. They got meaningful snaps that are going to be better this year with a full another full training camp, and you know, a quarterback really they probably have more chemistry with in Jordan Love than they did Aaron. To be honest with you, because of the whole OTA situation, um, it's just a oh, it's it's amazing, man. It's it's ama- It's just like uh, I won't mention the name, but there was a, a radio show host that that was talking about you know. Uh, Jordan Love in the quarterback position the other day, and, and Ryan put a tweet out, and basically the guy was like, you know, who? what other quarterback has had success that threw this many <laughs> interceptions in college? And, and literally Ryan in two minutes rattles off like five, four of yeah. which, if I remember correctly, were first ballot Hall of Famers. I mean, it, it really like, was. He, and that was the thing. Like he, I, I heard, Clayton, what you post where he was like, yeah, he sent me a couple things. First of all, I didn't send you anything. I was talking to the other guy. <laughs> 
Second of all, I listed about five guys, and I looked up probably seven. So it really wasn't that hard. Second of all, the idea that he said it had to be the final year. No, he didn't. He never said it had to be the final year. He's full of garbage about that. What he said is somebody that in his in his career had thrown that many interceptions. And beyond that, it doesn't even matter if it was in his final year or not. But the, the whole thing was completely stupid. And it wasn't just him. He, he I listened to that part that you sent me again, Clayton, where he's like, he sent me one, and I guess that's the one. No, 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 no. I also <laughs> sent another one of Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's another one. Wow. And that was very recent because his co-host was like, oh, yeah, what was that, 40 years ago? Deshaun Watson was, what, six years ago, five years ago? It was not very long ago. He came into the NFL and dominated. So yeah. the whole the, – and, and, and beyond – why are you even having that discussion? Why does right. that even matter? The thing that I said in my podcast about it is, okay, forget all of this. Explain to me why he got drafted at all. Because right. the way we're talking about him, based on how he did as a, as, as a senior in college, or, or whatever year it was, junior, why was he, for, forget the he should have been a second-round pick, why wasn't he undrafted? Why? Because you are the one that has to reconcile that. Because the way you describe him and the way that he played, he should not have been drafted at all. You can't reconcile that. So that's your problem. You're the one that can't see all the positives that not just the Packers saw, but all 32 teams and every NFL draft analyst saw in him. Even the ones that said he's a second-round pick clearly saw he was well more, way more talented than what he put on tape in his final season in college. Yep. And, and what's crazy is they, they're so quick, and not specifically them, I haven't heard them say it, but many people in the media, much like Colin Coward, they're so quick to point out, well, they they even traded up to get Jordan Love. They He didn't fall to him. They traded up. First of all, he fell to a certain point where they said right. the value makes sense yeah. now. But you understand why they traded up? Because there were other teams that were going to draft Jordan Love. So it's not only the Packers right. that had a first-round grade on them, but it was also other teams. So you're telling me you understand scouting better than NFL general managers for multiple teams. You got to get away from me with that crap. Like right. <laughs> at some point you've got to lower the ego. And I understand they get clicks and, and, and on those big networks, the goal is let's create some shock value here and, and get people talking about us and talking about the topic. But it gets to the point where it's just embarrassing. And, and that's why I responded to that tweet you just sent out. And I was like, this only takes two seconds to like check. Like how do right. people <laughs> how do people feel okay with going? You know what? I'm just gonna put this out there, pretend like it's a fact, knowing darn well people can fact check it and shoot it right down. But then on top of that, I'm gonna double down after they provide a list. Like right. it's just crazy, dude. Well, it's, and it's, it's funny too because his whole thing was, I have yet to hear anyone on Twitter respond to this, bro. Have you looked? Why do you need <laughs> someone on Twitter to tell you the answer? Look, what are you talking about? Speaking Jacob, of lists, I'm just uh, that sparked a little thing in my brain. We're talking about lists here, um, as well as we're um, while we're um, pooping on bears. I just thought it'd yeah. be just really great just to look at let's, let's look at their top ten receivers of all time and just see how that yes. stacks up. Thank okay. you. Number one, <clears throat> I, I wish that I had the year, but I can guarantee you that at least eight out of ten of these were before most of us were born. So just let that sit in. Okay. So number one, Johnny Morris, he played 121 Ooh. games, received 356 passes. He's the number one receiver of all time for the Chicago bears. He has 5,059 yards and 31 touchdowns. Awesome. <laughs> number two, Harlan Hill, 89 games, 226 receptions, 46, Harlan. 16, 40 touchdowns. Number three, 
one guy that is probably in the modern era. Which congratulations, <laughs> Bears. Good for you. Elshon Jeffrey. Mm. Oh, there you go. What a solid, great player. 63 games. He had 304 receptions, 4,549 yards with 26 touchdowns. Number four, Walter Payton. I, <laughs> I Okay. 190 games, guys. 190 games. 492 receptions, 45. I'm sorry, 4,538 receptions, 15 touchdowns. Number five, Mike Ditka. Okay, good. Cool. Number six, Curtis Conway. Number seven, Matt Forte, the only other guy that's in this decade. Close. Uh, number <laughs> eight, Marty Booker with 3,800 yards, basically. Willie Galt, number nine. I have no idea who you are, sir. Number 10, Ken Kavanaugh. Sorry. Supreme Court <laughs> Justice? No, no. Number 11, <laughs> Allen Robinson. Two, 293 receptions, 3,561 yards. Number 11 all time in Bears receiving is 3,561 yards. Yeah, and, and they didn't draft him, and they only had him for a few years. So <laughs> he's the worst. If you, if you just look at people they actually drafted, which, which I, I've, I've looked at that before, we all know that their quarterback history is terrible. Their wide receiver history is not much further behind. Let me scroll down to save us some time. Number 41, <laughs> before it cut off my printer. <laughs> he, number 41 of all time. Gene Schroeder, 64 yeah. games, 104 receptions, 1,870 yards, guys, with 13 touchdowns. That's that's bad. That's like a good season. <laughs> that's like a good season. Quarter, I'm sorry, but um, yeah. Yeah. You, Dakota in the chat says, we have a great talent evaluator in Goody and a great offensive coach in LaFleur. I have faith they'll figure it out. You know, Ryan, you were talking about Detroit because I guarantee you listeners – um, probably not listeners, but if you said this to other fans, especially Lions fans, and said, you know, they're they're just a horrible organization, they go, well, this is a different general manager. No, 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 no. It starts at the top. Right. It starts at the top with ownership. That's the same thing that's going on with, you know, it's no longer the Hallis uh, family in, in Chicago. What is it, the McCaskies or yeah, whatever McCaskies. it is, right? And, awesome. and isn't it funny that you can go and say, okay, this is a culture issue. They don't, they don't know how to bring someone from the outside when I say from the outside, someone who actually knows football and says, hey, look, we're going to trust you with our organization. Build it the right way. Build it the way a pro football team should be built. Instead, they want to lean on their business expertise, whether it's in the car industry or whatever it might be, whatever made them rich in the first place. And then they're going to pretend like, OK, we'll just incorporate that and we'll go out and build this awesome football team. Right. And, and it never changes, which goes right to the argument. And I think I think I've heard Colin Coward say this before that, you know, one of the Packers biggest problems is that they don't have an owner. They don't have an owner. That's what happens when you got an owner right there. You have horrible organizations that uh, that are they're just, you know, it's kind of bred like that within the organization. Right. And I believe Ryan froze up. Ryan, if you can hear us speak, wave. Does somebody get a gun to your head? What's going on? over there? Nope, All right, he's gone. Just like that. <laughs> We're getting ready to wrap up here in a second anyway, but we appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Um, I'm just – I love what the Packers have done. I'm, I'm getting kind of excited. I think it's for 2025, Jacob, to see who takes over as the new uh, president, you know, for Mark Murphy as his yeah. time is uh, is coming up. And, and kudos to Mark Murphy, man. 
Uh, you talking about a guy that I think he's done just an excellent job. Bob Harlan cast that vision for what he wanted Lambeau Field to be, right? <clears throat> and he created the atrium. It sounds so silly, but he just knew if we can get the money together to create this atrium so we can put a few things inside it that makes this a year-round destination, it's going to change everything about the Packers. And Mark Murphy, of course, taking that, running with it, creating the whole title town district. They're continuing to buy up property. And it's just it's amazing what they've done out there. You've got to have visionaries like that. And and no one better than than someone like Mark Murphy, uh, who's got a, a football background. Do you know about his football background, Jacob? I do actually. He was a very highly effective NFL player, wasn't he? Like a safety or a cornerback? He played for several years, played for Washington, actually led the league in interceptions one year as a safety. Mark Murphy did. Everybody looks at Mark Murphy like, oh, look at look at Papa Opie up there. Ain't never picked up a football. Don't know what he's talking about. Whatever. He's played, man. He's got thumps. Yeah. Oh, you know it, dude. You know it. Um, I love it, dude. Love it, love it, love it. So as we get ready to wrap up, anything else you want to hit on, Jake? If you got anything else you want to want to touch on? Um, just a random note that I thought was interesting. I didn't realize that uh Fangio is going to the Dolphins defense, which that could be just one of those things where it's like um if Tua can stay healthy, they got those wide receivers. I almost think it's a shoo-in that Dalvin Cook's going to get signed over there. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's not Packers stuff. I'm just talking NFL football stuff. No, no, absolutely. Interesting I, in my mind. Um, any, anytime you that, talk coaching hires and scheme, I'm all about it. That, that Vic Fangio defense, though, going to Miami where they have a really quick, fast team, like that could be that could be set up for some crazy success. As far as the Packers go, um, I'm just eh, – Again, I we talked about it last episode. We're losing three players on defense. I really, really want this defense to be. We always talk about it. They're great on paper, you know. But I, I, I really, I want this to be the year, man. If, if mm-hmm. imagine if this is the Aaron Rodgers leaves, and maybe it's dumb luck, maybe it's whatever, and all of a sudden our defense is like number one, number two, number three, <laughs> you know. And and Love doesn't have to do really anything more than just be a manager because I. We can't expect a lot from this guy. I mean, mm-hmm. in theory, we can, you know, we can we can expect a lot as far as like we want. I, I say it all the time. I think we're gonna get ten wins. Realistically, when I dumb it down, and I think about it. I'd be I'd be happy if we got eight tops because he's a first year quarterback. He's very raw. Um, but that being said, I mean, why not? Realistically, I really do think that we could hit twelve or thirteen wins. I just. I think we need to maybe temper expectations and um, tamper expectations. And, and then we should maybe just be ready to see a six, seven, eight win season. But mm-hmm. if we see that progression out of love, then I think we should all just be happy, man. It's just, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's yeah. a good time to be hopeful. I'm just excited. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the way I look at the schedule every year, I do it, I do it different than most people. I, I break down the schedule. I, I walk through it once and I go, okay, where are the surefire wins? We know there's no surefire win in the NFL, but you could still go through a schedule and go, here's the games that I think we have the greatest chance of winning, right? That kind of tier of games. All right, bang. How many wins do you got? Write that number down. Then you go, okay, you go right back to the schedule, and there's a bunch of voids there, right, of, of games that you haven't you haven't checked yet. You can see it probably right over my shoulder over here, right? <laughs> there somewhere. Um, and it, th- what I do then is I go back and go, okay, what are surefire losses? Again, nothing guaranteed. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. I get it. But you go through and go, what games do I think there's a pretty darn good chance that we're going to lose this game? You fill those in. And then typically you're left with a handful of games where you go, that could go either way. 
the number I come up with is between six and ten wins. That's what I've got. Now, some people say if they finished eight with eight wins, that's the worst thing possible. They wouldn't have a high pick. They'd have no shot at Caleb Williams if indeed uh, Jordan Love doesn't pan out, blah, 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 blah. Listen, the, the goal is to progressively, progressively get better. Name the franchise. It just flipped the switch, and they they just went great, right? The, I think the Dolphins did it one year. They went from worst to first in their division, and yeah. then they fell right back off, right? Yeah. It's it's incremental success, and it's and it's approaching it from a uh, a culture standpoint of look, we're creating a culture of winning. Period. Case closed. If they come out this year and they win six games, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. As long as we know what we have in Jordan Love, I don't want to say what I'm about to say but I'm going to say what I shouldn't say. <laughs> the worst case scenario for the Packers this year yeah. is that Jordan Love goes down early and we, we don't, don't get a real yeah. view of what that's Jordan true. Love is. 100%. That's the worst yeah. thing that could happen. Now, the, you know, the best thing to me, that's why I'm not looking at this season going, man, this is going to suck if we have a bad year. No. If he balls out, he's the quarterback for the next 10 years, whatever it is. Yeah. If he – Falls completely flat, we go, okay, we know what we got there. The contract structure in a way that we can cut bait next year, draft a quarterback, or even keep him for one more year, give him one more shot. Who knows? He might catch a spark. Now you've got a deep quarterback room, right, if you do land a high first-round pick at quarterback and Jordan Love pans out as well. So that's kind of how I see it, man. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's kind of how I look at it. John in the chat here. Let's see what he's got to say. I've been watching the chat over here. John says, this is Love's fourth year. He knows the playbook. No excuses for less than eight wins. I kind of agree. Yeah, I, I do too, but wins are not a quarterback stat. Yeah, I, I used to get mad when people said that, and it's true. It's true. You know, yeah. wins are not a quarterback stat. It may be how they're judged, but <clears throat> so by that right there, no excuses for less than eight wins, John. Tell me this. If he comes out, and he throws for 35 touchdowns, four interceptions, wins MVP, or is in the in the running for MVP, and they win six games somehow, some way, because the defense is absolutely horrible. You tell me you're moving on from Jordan Love? Right. You're not. So okay. that's and and you know, again, I'm not the tell-all end all, right? I'm not saying I know everything. I'm not trying to act like a, a know-it-all. That's just the way I look at it. Wins are not a quarterback stat. Um, you know, Joe Montana. People always talked about Joe Montana, um, you know, that he's the, he was the greatest uh, of all time, this and that. If he's the greatest of all time, aside from Tom Brady, who has recently unseated him, then you put Joe Montana on the worst, worst team in the league and tell me what they do. Put Joe Montana on the Chicago Bears and what would their record be? <laughs> I'm sorry, man. It's We've seen him in Kansas City, had a little bit of success, but if I remember correctly, he had a Hall of Famer, Marcus Allen, he had all kinds of people around him in Kansas City, too, when he won there, right? That was after Marcus Allen went from went from Oakland, Los Angeles, whatever you want to call it, the Raiders at the time, um, comes over to Kansas City, too. And, you know, that's that's how, that's how I look at it, man. You know, it, it, it takes more than just a quarterback. It does. And, it, and it's about a winning culture and putting talent around that quarterback. Now, you take Patrick Mahomes and put him on the Chicago Bears – they're going to yeah. be significantly better. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if they're knocking on the door getting in the playoffs. Now, instead, they got Justin Fields, and I just don't – like I said, man, there's a chance. There's a chance he could break out. I don't see it. And when people say he's going to break out, I say, I need you to get on FanDuel or one of these gambling sites, and I want you to put a grand on it right now. You shoot that screenshot on over. Waiting on it. 
And if they don't do it, then you're lying. That's the way yeah. I see it. That's the way I see it. Um, and it's the same way with me talking about these win-loss totals, man. You know, it's easy for people to get excited and say, hey, yeah, we're going to win this many games. Okay, cool. Go put the money on it. That's what Lombardi was talking about the other day. He was just like, you know, if if people think Jordan Love is if, – if Jordan Love is the real deal, then bet on the Packers to make the playoffs. Because I'm telling you, this is a good football team that's, that's it around. Is. It really is. The really whole, whole – I almost swore. The whole team is great other than the unknown. And, again, as Ryan says, unknown doesn't mean bad. It just means unknown. So Yeah. Absolutely. Let's go in it with a little bit of confidence. It'd be great. Yeah. Packer fans unite. That's the thing. Like I don't. I, I'll wrap up with this. The last three years, Jacob, has been like stressful because it's you've got one of, if not the best quarterback in the league, right? And everybody's expecting you to win thirteen games. And and it's to me, it was like you. I never came away from a win going, man, that was a great win. It was glad we didn't lose. Glad yeah. we didn't lose. Now we're exactly. looking at it from a different perspective. I think you can really find some enjoyment in that. And uh, we're the underdogs. I'm I'm screaming it to the top of my freaking lungs, dude. They started it. Let's finish it. They started the whole underdog thing. Let's embrace it. You're right, man. Yeah, we're going to finish last in the NFC North, man. Now, who knows? Maybe we could shock a few people. I love it, dude. Bet against us. Bet against us. And Jordan Love's got that calmness to him, man, that I don't know. Yeah. I keep saying it. There's something there. There's something I can't quite put my finger on, but – I'm impressed with the dude. Jair Alexander, yeah, he's going to stick up for his teammates, but he's not going to say what he said if Jordan Love is not a starting caliber quarterback. Aaron right. Jones ain't going to say that if he's not a starting caliber quarterback. Brian Gutekunst is not going to trade Aaron Rodgers right. it, unless he knows that Jordan Love can be yeah. a starting quarterback. I mean, think about you know? that. Yeah. I'm telling you, dude. It's uh, I mean, that, When you think about that, like just like you just said that, Clayton, I, that's so simple to me. Brian Kudikins isn't going to trade Aaron Rodgers unless he's at least 90% sure that Love is going to come in there and at least be serviceable. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that right there alone. Brian Kudikins, if, if you're a Kudikins, or a Kudikins hater, you're immediately going to be like, well, that's why he sucks, blah, blah, blah. If you are a little bit more – I love him personally. I, I think he's been amazing. Um, I'm a homer. But, I mean, it, it – if you immediately say, oh, that's a horrible thing, like that that basically tells you your kind of your thought process there, right? So I gosh, I just think that we should trust in the process. Every single time, every draft, every free agent signing, we always say, Oh my God, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. These guys are idiots. Why don't you sign blah 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 blah? And then all right. of a sudden, Devondre Campbell, uh Russell Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon, all of a sudden Rudy Ford. We have all these guys where it's like, oh. I guess they, the guys that do this for a living, they make multi-million dollars every year, probably know a little bit more than I do. No, what a absolutely. shocker. Who would have thought? Okay. It doesn't mean people can't have opinions, right? And right, we've disagreed exactly. in the past. You know, it's totally cool. But, yeah, at the end of the day, that's that's the perspective you got to kind of got to put it in. But uh, Nate the Great in the house says eight to nine wins. Nate, I think that's very, very, very reasonable, very realistic. Yeah. Yeah. I think they could catch a break on two or three and come away with 10 or 11, and they could drop the ball on two or three and be around six, you know. But I think eight to nine is uh, – if everything goes as planned, I could see that. But, man, I just cannot wait for week one, just like the Lumberjack band that we started with, man, rolling into Chicago to take on the big, bad Chicago Bears. And don't – listen, don't let them forget it. Don't let them back away from it. All these talking heads talking about 
Justin Fields is going to be an MVP candidate, and the Bears are going to make the playoffs. I think that idiot on NFL Network, uh, Adam Rank or whatever the heck his name is, I think he's picked the Bears to win 12 games or something. It's like, okay, you're going to go from the worst team in the league to winning 12 games because you signed two linebackers? What are you talking about here? Like, it, and it may happen, but yeah, I don't maybe. see it. And, again, if that's what you feel, guys out there on Twitter, guys and gals that are just – Trumpeting, this is a this is a different team. They're going to go, you know, just shake the world up. Just do me a favor, quick little picture of that betting ticket of how much money you put on the win total for the Bears. <laughs> I guarantee you, you won't find it. So, I'm ready to get out of here, Jacob. You got anything else, buddy? No, nah, man, let's get out. All right. Hey, we appreciate everybody hanging out in the chat with us. Uh, Jonathan, John, Nate the Great, Dakota, um, everybody just dropping through. We really, really appreciate your time. Also, uh, joining us tonight, we had Tim right there in Green Bay, Andy in Kansas. Andy bringing some history. I love it, dude. And that mustache yeah. on that cap. What was his name again? Del Gazo? What was his name? Ah, I can't remember. We talked about Rudy. We talked about Dan Devine. <laughs> the only thing we didn't talk about tonight was milk, right? So, yeah. <laughs> Janelle, yeah. what's up? Yeah, Janelle, Janelle wasn't in the chat tonight. I think she, oh, she understands. No, she she got offended. Don't you be taking my milk. Are you kidding me? Oh. So, all right. We're out of here, guys. We appreciate everybody taking the time to uh, hang out with us. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your work day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back go. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly. Has Watson. He's got it on his feet, and he's in for the touchdown. That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career. Christian Watson, you can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.